The Old Testament reading for tonight is Psalm 51, verses 1 through 13, and that's found on page 562 in the Church Bibles. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Here ends the Old Testament reading. The epistle is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 20 and, and going through chapter 6, verse 10, found on page 1145 in the Church Bible. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we, command, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, Sorrowful, 
yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Our gospel is found in Matthew 6, verse uh, 1 through 6 and 16 through 21, and out of respect for the gospel, please rise. This is found on page 960 in the church Bibles. Giving to the needy. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the streets, street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have reached, reached their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then on to verse 16 through 21 about fasting. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disguise their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will, be, it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Here is a gospel reading. Go ahead, please be seated. And uh, Ellie and Ruthie, if you'd come on up and join me. that one that, uh, that lid comes off pretty easy and no we haven't done this before <laughs> and we haven't rehearsed this is just uh, we pray a devotional conversation that God will guide and, and, and bless and use. Um, I'm going to invite you to open up uh, your Bible to, to Genesis, to the story uh, for tonight, to Genesis chapter 3. A familiar story, I'm sure. Uh, the fall of Adam and Eve, and then God uh, confronting them uh, with their sin. And here's where the promise begins. And that's why we back up to Eve. She is actually the first person to be given the promise of a Savior. 
And so what better place for us to start our journey to the cross and following the promise of, of Jesus and him crucified for our sin, but to, to back up to Eve, uh, to where the promise is first uh, given. And uh, I'd just like to ask, you know, these two ladies, they've spent a lot of time uh, looking at this, this scripture. Anything kind of jump out at you, uh, Ruth, uh, strike you about this particular story? I think how Eve really was ashamed. It really hurt her when she realized what she had done. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, that ties so much into what we just did uh, with, the, with the mark of the cross. This is an act of, of repentance, of, of being sorry uh, for one's sin. And, and if you can, maybe just envision Eve with a cross, because she truly was uh, sorry for her sins, um, which led to the promise. We'll come back to this in just a second. I'm just thinking, having put in myself in her shoes, what would I have done? Mmm, this fruit looks pretty tasty. <laughs> you know, temptation is everywhere. Yeah. So just a yeah. constant reminder there to look to the Holy Spirit to cleanse me and remind me moment by moment. Yeah. You know, if you had been Eve, uh, what would you have expected God to do? Uh, I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about this. This... This is the first time a holy God meets in person with a sinner. Never happened before. Even Adam were holy up until... So here comes this holy God in the garden. What would you... If just kind of building on what you just said about your feeling, what would you have expected from him? I guess I can understand why they hid. You know? <laughs> what, kind of, what type of punishment is coming here or if any? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that she really expected forgiveness. I think she was so ashamed she didn't get beyond that. Yeah. And, and uh, can you relate to that? I, when, when you've sinned, uh, getting beyond the guilt, um, not knowing what to expect from God. I mean, we talked a little bit about uh, disciplining kids. And Ella, you admitted, you said, well, you're, you're not the strictest parent around <laughs> we could maybe ask Caden what she expects when when you do something wrong and she might have a different perspective than than you uh, but you know God surprised Eve didn't, I mean he surprised surprises me here's a holy God and he's meeting a, a sinner and you would think that would be the end of the story wouldn't you but it's, it's not the, the end of the, it's really just the beginning. And he meets sin with a promise. And I don't know if you can see it in Genesis chapter 3, but if you look closely, what you can see in that promise, you can see the cross of Jesus in that promise. Uh, with the bruising of his heel, and, and, but the crushing of Satan's head, you can see the promise of, of a Messiah. And... and uh, Interestingly, and we'll come to this in just a minute, Eve believed the promise, and she understood the promise. And, and we'll see that when we look at how she named her kids. But let's just talk a little bit about, you know, yep, this holy God met their sin with a promise, but there was a consequence. And the consequence was giving birth 
was going to be painful. Ellie, um, talk a little bit about going through pain to give someone the gift of life. How was that? How was that? Sure. I was very, very scared to become pregnant that I actually met with the OB ahead of time to say, all right, let me hear it. Tell me the real gory details so I can even see if this is something I can do. And so we sat down and she told us all of the, uh, the ins and the outs, the ups and the downs. And I mean, many of you have had babies, so you understand that there's no pregnancy that's the same. <laughs> yeah. What you anticipate the pain to be or not to be. Yeah. Was there a joy, though, when you found out that you were with child? Pregnant? Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Uh, my husband and I screamed as loud as you could about imagine. We were very blessed. It didn't take very long after our wedding, and so that was just utter shock that we made a baby. This is just the greatest blessing in the whole wide world. Okay. In spite of the Yes. In spite of the pain. Yes, our pregnancies were very challenging, pain-wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ruthie, your mom, you had 14, 14 children she gave birth to. Yes. What did you watch when you saw your mom go, pregnancy, how long was your mom pregnant? About 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a family of 14, and I'm the fifth oldest. And actually, I don't remember my mom ever feeling pain about being pregnant. I think she felt joy. Um, after 14, I suppose they become really routine. <laughs> or not. <laughs> now you know why I have ladies up here to talk about this? <laughs> I am not qualified. <laughs> Neither am I, but I'm still up here. <laughs> oh, but, but I mean, and you, it, I, I sense an admiration in you for your mom and, and a thankfulness for her willingness to do that to have you. That's very true, and I think she loved every one of them very, very much. Yeah. She, she was happy to be pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, to tie this to Jesus, think about the parallel here between these ladies talking about mothers going through pain in order to give someone life, and yet having a joy in that. And there's a Bible passage in Hebrews which talks about Jesus, and it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. Who for the joy? What was Jesus doing on the cross? He was going through pain to give us life. And not just life, but everlasting life. And, and you know, we do dwell quite a bit on the pain, just as you said, about the pain of giving birth. I, I know I remember uh, I was told that when we had our first child, no, just don't go into the hospital room and ask Karen right after delivery if she's ready to have another baby. Don't do that. <laughs> pain is too fresh. 
Um, I recall too from uh, when Marty w was born. This is back in the day where they didn't have private rooms for moms. You did your labor basically in public, just separated by curtains. And the, the lady next to Karen, she was swearing a blue streak <laughs> as she was doing her labor. And she was embarrassed later on because we found out she was a member at St. John's Lutheran Church in Kimball. And, and we knew her and she knew, she knew us. <laughs> but the pain, the pain of, of childbirth, you, you ladies know it. And, yeah. I can share a little bit on Kaden. Um, we found out at 20 weeks that she was actually growing into my back. And that was just, people would say, why aren't you showing it? First baby, you don't really show much. And so as uh, the pregnancy progressed, so at 20 weeks they tried to move her, which was very painful. Nothing like the pain Jesus endured. But then uh, we made it to 28 weeks of pregnancy and they physically moved her, and I thought that, <laughs> that made pregnancy seem like a breeze. But, you know, looking at the scripture tonight, what Jesus did, he went on the cross for us, no pain meds, no little squirt bottles, no sponges, no warm tub bath to climb into. He just endured it, and it was all on his own decision. Yeah, yeah. But like you, I think what kept you going was the, the joy of that baby. Mm-hmm. And that gift, and giving that gift of life, and that's the, the very same uh, with Jesus, absolutely. And relying on the Lord to every step of the way, because that yeah. is just, those are the scariest times in your life, and ugh, it's the most thing I've experienced, yeah. pain-wise, emotional, physical. Yeah. But she's worth it. <laughs> so are the other two. Yeah. And, and you bring up, though, another parallel to Jesus. You talked about relying on the Lord through it all. You're both women of faith. You both rely on him. How else did Jesus really accomplish the cross but relying on his heavenly Father, right? I mean, that's, that's what the Garden of Gethsemane and the prayer was all about, wasn't it? Him relying on his Father's strength to do this, just as you relied on your Heavenly Father and your mom 14 times <laughs> relied on that. Um, something, too, to, as we look at this story uh, of Adam and Eve, and especially now Eve uh, and God, um, God met them with grace, didn't he? And a sign of that was he knew that both Adam and Eve felt very ashamed of their nakedness. They tried to cover it up themselves. And if you read on a little later in Genesis, God made clothes for them. Well, think about it. Where did he get the clothes from? Some animal had to die. Some other life, some other living thing had to die in order for their sin to be covered. And you can see here, I think, a, a parallel to our sin being covered. A life had to be given for our sin to be covered. And it was the life of Jesus, wasn't it? And, and God did that out of grace, just as he did for Adam and Eve 
so for us he gave his son the son gave his life for us to cover our sin not only just to cover it but to remove our sin now let me how hard is it to forgive one of your kids when they mess up not very hard <laughs> how hard is it to forgive a sibling you must have had a few run-ins with a few brothers <laughs> have a lot of them but no it's easy to forgive you still love them you might not like what they did but you love them yeah yeah a great definition I think of of God's reaction to us did he like what Adam and Eve did no no does he like our sin no but does it cancel out his love no I, I dare say, Ellie, there's probably nothing that your kids, any of your kids could do to make you stop loving them. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I look and, at them as learning moments. Yeah. Yeah. And I think your mom, well, what could be said of your mom would be true, too. I'm, I'm, yes, I would agree. My goodness. I mean, she was in a household with 14 sinners. <laughs> 15, her husband. Oh, 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to bring him into it, didn't you? <laughs> um, one more thing to, to, to just observe here and chat a little bit about. Um, why did you name your kids the way you named them, Ellie? Uh, logistically? Yeah. So Caden is named after my mom. Kay is my mom's middle name. Okay. And Den is my husband's Daniel. Uh, Daniel on the lines, Den. Okay. Connect the dots there. So, uh, and then our middle one, not as much significance there. <laughs> <laughs> the middle name was a uh, family middle name. And then our youngest, Don. Uh, Landon is his name. Don is husband's okay. dad's yeah. name. Okay. All right. And how about your parents naming all 14 of you? Was there a rhyme or reason to that? I don't think so. I think mainly they tried to stick with short names. Okay. Something easier to remember. Because your last name was? Brucher. Well, yeah. that's not too long. It's not, not too many letters to that. No, but if you're calling out your kids, John, Ruth, Mary, you want you don't want <laughs> That's right. Raymond Alphonse, whatever. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If you got fourteen, you got yeah. That's <laughs> you want short. Okay, you, you do want short. Yeah, and you know the reason I ask that and bring that up is it's interesting to note Eve in the naming of her children. The first child that was born to her following the fall, she named Cain. Remember, she had been given a promise, promise of a savior, promise that there would be someone, a man born from her, who would conquer the devil. And the very first child she bears, Cain, the name Cain means, I have gotten the man from the Lord. See your faith in the promise in that? Now, we all know the story well enough to know that Cain didn't turn out to be a savior, did he? Sadly, he turned out to be a murderer. So there's Cain and Abel. Then her next child, Seth. And when she names Seth, Seth means given. 
This is one given to me by God. You see your faith in the promise there? That she thought he's the one. Now, as it turns out, he wasn't. But he was the ancestor of the one. Let me read to you from uh, Luke chapter 3, which is his genealogy of Jesus, Luke's genealogy of Jesus. And I'll just read how it ends because I don't want to try and pronounce all these names, okay? But if you want to turn in your Bible to page 1017, you can see it with your own eyes if you'd like. And I'm going to pick it up with verse 37 of chapter 3 of Luke on page 1017. Where in leading, in, and Luke starts his genealogy from Jesus' parents, his, his, uh, his dad, and then he goes from there. Uh, but the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalael, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So I hope you see in how Eve named her sons Faith. And let that be her legacy. Just as you two strive, I think the legacy you want more than anything else is to be remembered as a woman of faith. And that was the legacy to, of, of Eve. Uh, a legacy of faith in the, in the promise. She lived, even though it wasn't physically there, or like we have the advantage of looking back at it, she lived with her eyes on the cross. She lived looking to the fulfillment of the promise. She, she lived with that trust that God would deliver her. And we thank and praise God for that, and I thank and praise God for the two of you. Anything that you'd like to just share by way of kind of ending our conversation tonight? I think I'd have to say Eve learned very quickly who to keep her eyes on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was her, her God. Yep. Yeah. I'd say my biggest takeaway is in realm of Valentine's Day, I read is to love is to obey, which kind of brings me back to the Ten Commandments we talked about today at Bible study. And just trying to do the very best we can each and every day and live in our faith journeys to the best of our abilities. Trust God. Yeah, to live out that, yeah. Gave it all for us. Yeah. Yeah, to, to live in light of that, of the cross and the forgiveness that's ours, uh, to live in a way that reflects that, that, that grace, okay? Any questions, thoughts? Please. Grandchildren are lots fewer. There's only 13 grandchildren. Not even all 14 got married. <laughs> and there's also one other oddity. She had twins that aren't twins. They're born 13 and a half days apart. <laughs> yeah. 
Any other questions or thoughts? So for my sisters in Christ who are sitting out there who have volunteered to do one of these, well, now you know a little bit of what it looks like and, and how it goes. And we just pray that God blesses our, our conversations uh, in a way that enables us always still to live, as you both were pointing out, with our eyes focused on the cross, on the Savior who loved us and, and gave his life uh, for us. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for Ellie, for Ruth, uh, the faith that they, you have given to them, and, and also now the, the faith they have shared with us, their insights. And Lord, just continue to open our eyes and bring us, draw us into your word, uh, into the promise of the Savior, uh, so that we might daily grow in faith in him and live in a way that always keeps our focus on Christ and him crucified, and yet Christ and him risen. He is our hope. We pray and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.